This is a Hoff Studios podcast. Hello, Lorelai. I haven't seen you since the day I met you in Miami when you lived here for a month. I know. So, crazy. A month. So, <laughs> it was I, nine I mean, then, y'all. It was nine months. <laughs> well, I met you at the end of it. It was like two months later you moved or something oh, crazy like wow. that. wow. You're I right. Think, I think You're that's right. how it went. Yeah. I'm going to come back. Yeah, you got to come back to Miami, girl. Okay, so let me introduce you. Lorelei Bayette, what you are, how do I even introduce? You're a mentor, you're a coach. I did not know this, but you went to school for psychology. You're a hypnotherapist. You're certified in NLP. (laughs) Went to your YouTube channel. I learned so much. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Yeah, Yeah. so my name is Lorelei Bayette. Um, I'm a spiritual creative that's what I call myself I just keep the channels open and I have a lot of um, creations because of it so right now I'm doing a lot of education I work with um, vibration mostly energy and um, I'm certified in so many different modalities but uh, I guess I use all of them to help um, people awaken and create and align with their authentic self basically do you, so where, you live in LA now, yeah? I live in Orange County in, um, oh, so in Irvine. Nice. And some, but what, let's go back to like, why did you live in Miami for nine months? This was like during the pandemic or pre-pandemic. Tell me about the move to Miami and then like the boomerang back to California. <laughs> All right. So it was, picture it. My Saturn return was insane. Like I was sitting in meditation and I was asking to be shown the way. And as I was being guided, move to Miami came. And I know better than the question, my guidance. Never been there, but I was like, all right, I'm moving to Miami. That's right, you hadn't even been here. Yeah, so I'm like, okay, I'm gonna move to Miami. I moved there and- Wait, and can can we digress a little bit? What is the Saturn return for people who don't know what that is? So every 27 to 29 years, Saturn, comes back into the planet it was at when you were born. Saturn is like a loving father who comes to teach you all of the lessons that you did not learn up until that point. So usually if you, I don't know, Danielle, when when you were 27 to 29, what was life like for you right then? I had a huge life transformation. (laughs) That's, That's literally like right after I became a yoga teacher, I quit the hospitality industry. I got full on into wellness. I got abs for the first time out of my spiritual awakening. It was like, it was a huge transformation in my life. For my, for personally, my Saturn, I don't know leading up to it, but personally, my Saturn return was not as painful as it was exciting and transformational. But I guess leading up to it, like the year before was probably pretty chaotic. I think I moved like four times that year. So yeah, maybe it was pretty painful. I just remember the outcome. It was amazing Same. coming out of it. Yeah. The outcome so is you like... Were, so you were, I was just saying like, so you were in the thick of it. Like when you moved to Miami, you were just like oh, yeah. listening to your next best steps. Well, I would think I was kind of coming out of it because like I, I see we don't have rites of passages in our culture. And so these spiritual rites of passages, that's kind of how it felt. It felt like an initiation into womanhood. And I had to really look at myself and um, Mm. what was what got me here wasn't going to get me to the next stage of my life. So I did the grieving. I did the rites Mm -hmm. of separation is what it's called when you separate from, Mm. you know, who you were before. And I was in Miami and I'm like, okay, what am I going to do? Like, okay, so I'm starting a business. I just moved. Um, Cause I was an executive coach before that. And then I got let go from that job after five years. And that was a very, I had like an ocean front office. I was making a lot of money and all that. And then what I What is an executive go. coach? You coach executives. <laughs> so, but you work for a company. Yeah. So this was a very unique thing. I was uh, coaching executives at an engineering company. They called me the flow engineer. He liked this. Oh, I love that. I know. He liked it so much and he got so he was making so much more money just from me analyzing the flow and the energetics of it all and the team environment that he hired me on full time. Amazing. Yeah. So but you got let go and so you were on this next chapter. And you yeah. Were like, all right, what's next? Yeah. So I came to Miami. 
um, rocked it, followed my guidance, showed up, conquered my fears. And that, that was that I did numbers my first year of business. It was insane. Um, I was like, whoa, abusing energetics and um, showing up. However, I got to the point where I realized that it took a switch from being in flow to me wanting the next thing. Mm-hmm. Okay, now more money. Now more <laughs> of this. And it, I started to get disconnected from myself for a second there. Yeah, I mean, I also think that that was like the trend of of the industry as well. And so, and society, you know, we're always taught to like scale and move upward and not recognize that we're moving in all directions at once as human beings on having a soul experience, right? So Mm -hmm. it's like, what was that like when you recognized that you were out of flow or like, how did you reach that pivot point or crossroads where you finally had to say like, this is not the direction anymore? Yeah. Well, I had moved back to San Diego chaotically against my intuition and broke my lease, moved back. I missed my family because you have to think when I went there, COVID hadn't started yet. And then it started and I didn't know many people. And so it was very isolating. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I want to go back to my family, you know, and I want to see my friends. So I left and, you know. Understandably. Yeah. Like a pandemic is a crazy time to be like, all the way across the country. Yeah. Isolated and alone. Exactly. So I was just sitting in my car and I was just like, okay, you have all this money now. What? Or even it started before that I was in Miami and I was like, okay, is this your life? Is this the Mm -hmm. priority? What about intimacy? What about love? Because one thing that when I lost my father in my Saturn return, one thing that that Mm -hmm. taught me was, I saw this quote and it said, you know, God will break your heart until it remains open. Mm, And that broke my heart so much that it opened. And when you learn who you are and you understand who you are, the next stage of development is intimacy. And so my rite of passage, my Saturn return was a return to love, openness Mm -hmm. and intimacy and with which that, re- mm-hmm. yeah. Well, which requires vulnerability. 100%, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, vulnerability in the messy times, the shameful mm-hmm. times, the mm-hmm. icky times to allow yourself to be seen and allow the good in. You know, you think that, we think that it's easy to let the good in. We think, you know, it's not always easy. It's very vulnerable to let the good in. It's very vulnerable to, you know, allow yourself to be seen in a trying way. And I had already been through that through my Saturn return because when I lost my job, I was like, first I lost my job. Then I lost my uncle. Then I lost my father. Then I mm-hmm. lost my boyfriend. Then I I broke up with my boyfriend who later passed on. And, um, moved out of my sky rise. It was just like a whole, you know, situation. And in that being surrounded by people who are of excellence and high achievement, I had to confront that aspect of me that did not want to be seen in this way. Because I was like, okay, I I have so much grief. I don't even think I could lift a finger to work. It was just so over too many things happening. Right. And so at one point I was just, you know, I know one thing is that I'm going to take a nap and I'm going to follow my guidance and I'm going to deactivate this resistance and I'm mm-hmm. going to surrender and I'm going to listen. And so mm-hmm. before I even got to Miami, I had to confront that aspect of myself that didn't want to be seen in my messiness because number one, I just couldn't get it together. I just couldn't put myself together. Everything was so difficult. And then I was like, all right, I want to manifest enough money to pay my bills and to grieve and work part time. And so all of a sudden, like after I was following my guidance, this offering came out and it was $6,000 a month working nine hours a month. I was like, thanks, Spirit, right? So then the next thing that Spirit guided me to do, because I totaled my Mercedes, by the way, totaled it, 
that's a whole nother story. It was wild how that happened. Just a total ego death, right? And I was like, okay, I'm gonna drive Uber. Somebody told me, hey, did you know that you could drive Lyft and they'll give you a car? So I'm doing this one job, taking a massive pay cut. I'm The thing that Lyft did for me, it didn't give me money. It helped me out of my depression. I was mm. talking to people. I was mm-hmm. driving around. But if my ego told me no, which it did, it was like, no, what? You just had an mm-hmm. office overlooking the ocean in La Jolla. What are you doing? But I followed mm-hmm. it. I devoted to that guidance. It lifted me out just a little bit. I invested mm-hmm. in this retreat. I, it started to, everything started to spiral up because I chose to listen. So that kind of having my friends know they're like high achievers know that I'm driving Lyft because my guidance told me to, mm-hmm. cause it doesn't, I didn't do it enough to, for it to pay me anything. That was like, whoa. So I'd already been chipping away at being seen mm-hmm. in my mess. That's so beautiful. I have, I have a lot of friends in these coaching positions or healers or whatever it is and somewhere along the way in their journey they've there's three people in particular that I'm really close to have turned around and gotten jobs and it's literally you know through this pandemic especially for them it was that like being inside working all the time is you know it's not healthy and so they've gotten part-time jobs or full-time jobs working for other people even though they're still entrepreneurs and they still have their businesses but it's so important to like actually connect with real people in person and we've discovered that through this pandemic and I mean it sounds like you did this before then but still it's like there's no shame in actually having a job and working and being humble and connecting with people on a real level. Like I think sometimes we forget that because <clears throat> especially when you surround yourself with high achievers. Yeah. And um, I think that's so beautiful. So what, like when you were in that position and you're surrounded by high achievers, like how long, how long was that time period? And like, how did you spiral upward and like make your way out of that? And what did that process look like? Spiraling up is more about guidance and frequency than it is about planning and strategizing um which is by the way we can tie in like masculine and feminine here like it sounds like that's the the difference right yeah like right now i feel pretty harmonized oh that's like a whole nother conversation of like bringing those into harmony and how freaking empowering that is because i i had been so in my feminine that I had at one point suffered from the lack of masculine integration inside. And so I had to integrate that later. Um, But to go back to what you just said, um, that discovery of the people around me are reflections of me. You know, they're abundant, they're excellent, I'm having a moment, but they also were reflections of my attachment to achievement that was an undercurrent Mm. that I hadn't quite been aware of and Mm. so even though I was aligned aligning and you know living a very spiritual path there was still an aspect of me that needed to what I went on to do for two years was this breakup with achievement Mm -hmm. because there's nothing wrong with the thing but the way that we go about receiving, I would say, um, is what I had to reckon with, mm-hmm. which was disentangling my identity with achievement, um, understanding what identity was mm-hmm. or lack of it, right? Because now I'm like, hmm, that's an interesting word, identity. Understanding, that's what I was talking about you, to what you on Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. We were talking on Instagram mm-hmm. about the, I was sharing with you, Danielle, that we have these stages of development. Um, Eric Erickson in psychology, that's my background, has these stages of development for the, the child and the adolescent to the adult. And I was telling you that I think, so 
one of the stages is identity versus role confusion, where mm -hmm. you understand who you are or you go into role confusion. You don't know who you are. You don't know what part you play. And mm -hmm. so a lot of people find that in their adolescence, in the high school. But when you when you zoom out and you think about that as the collective, I believe that we are in an identity crisis. We are in we are we are stuck in the stage of development of identity versus role confusion. The next step up, once you pass that, is intimacy versus isolation. So it's no mm -hmm. wonder that we have had a difficult time relating, connecting, opening, loving which is a different game than me, what is it? it's about me. So, but how you do that in adolescence, finding your people, knowing you know who you're hanging out with, finding your identity in those ways, piecing your identity together from the outside, that's not how it is. We're, we're way more evolved than that now as a collective as well. So it's about like knowing who you are. And how do, how do we go about knowing who we are? Like, how do we, like, I think that as a collective, like, we're certainly, like, we can play roles better than we can, we've ever been able to play in the, in history, right? Like, we think about, like, the founding fathers, like, go all the way back to the infancy of this country, and people were wearing wigs, and, like, you know, putting on a performance, and there was a lot of political role playing, mm -hmm. and, but, it wasn't it wasn't trickled down all the way to the person at the bottom of the class rung, right? Like now, any class, shape, person, race, it doesn't matter. You can put on a mask and a facade of your identity because we have Instagram, social media, and distance, the internet. And so we can portray ourselves as other things. And I know that I've gotten caught in that trap too, especially being an online entrepreneur. Like you can literally create a persona. So... I think that's part of the reason why we're we're trapped here on a on a human level, you mm -hmm. know, on a plane level. I think there's a soul purpose. I think there's a transformational purpose for this planet and the, these us people, um, us aliens to this earth. But <laughs> what? How do we take the responsibility into, into our own hands and not play these roles and like really discover who it is that we're supposed to be? Yeah. So. That's probably why, you know, when we look around and we're reaching out for a coach or reaching out, you want to know where you're reaching out from, number one. Mm -hmm. And you want to... What's driving that decision. Exactly. What frequency are you operating from? Are you coming from a place of... Because one thing that a good facilitator does, I don't know if I identify with the word coach. I have a hard time with that. But one thing that a good facilitator does or a space holder does is invites your uniqueness online to become more of who you are and to help you not abandon that voice within the part about identity is it's fixed right but knowledge of mm -hmm. self is a journey it's a step-by-step moment-to-moment remembrance of who you are and communication with your body versus mm -hmm. what you've come up with in your mind what you've constructed in your head about who you think you should be to get the thing that you want. Okay, I want Sim this, so go ahead. Gonna I was gonna say, this reminds me of the quote you posted today, I think about simplicity. It's like, it's like if you have to construct something so complex and if the description of yourself has to be so nuanced and so complex, you have not embodied it. Embodied wisdom is simple. It is very simplistic. So you will simple. nail it in a sentence. Oh and so God, it's, yeah. it sounds like the more we can come back to like that remembrance, that simplicity, that we are God, that we are one, that we are interconnected, that we are whole, then we have achieved that. We, we will have achieved that state. It's not even achieved. We will rest at that state of wisdom. We will rest yeah, at a cellular level. Exactly. It's like the resistance to it is because without surrender, without trust, without presence, without mm -hmm. becoming in tune with your body, then you can't be the channel for your expression to unfold. Instead, you're contriving and asserting your will, which looks mm -hmm. a lot different than when we become the channel for the divine to flow through and we're in communication. Because when you say, okay, well, what's my thing? What's my thing? What's my, this is why you're the rebellious reinvention because you've allowed your multidimensionality to come online in whatever way mm -hmm that it needs to come on. And if that means that you stop doing this to do that, you've given yourself permission because 
you're listening. Mm-hmm. So that's if we, permission to pivot. There you go. Yeah, that's, permission that's, to pivot. And that's the whole thing is like, there's so much stigma and shame around following that intuition in our society because it's constructed by, you know, a masculine version of what society is supposed to look like. And um, we, you know, we're of a different generation where we don't believe that you work for a certain amount of years and retire, obviously. Um, And most people these days, a lot of people these days are creative and entrepreneurs and have their side businesses and hustles and all that. But I still think that there is this internal dialogue because we grew up with parents and grandparents and we still have a society construct that says that things are supposed to be done in a certain way. And so there's a lot of internal shame and conversation around making those decisions and they come with a lot of turmoil essentially. And I've experienced that a lot in my life, trying to let go of the identity that I created, like Mm -hmm. whether it be coach, Mm -hmm. and we could talk about that, like Mm -hmm. why you don't identify with coach, but like really letting go of the titles that I create for Mm -hmm. myself. And like, I'll, I'll drop another title in six months. I'm sure that I will. And I'm totally okay with that. At this point, I'm shedding skins like a fucking snake and I'm just glowing, you know? Yes, queen. I'm okay with it, but (laughs) but it doesn't it doesn't necessarily mean that there's no shame or no grief because there is a grieving process that needs to come with it. But what do you say to people who, you know, they're making these first jumps or maybe they're going through their Saturn return and their dreams are and their identity is being shattered in front of them like this ego death we always talk about. Like what what how do people get through that? How do they let go of that? How do they let go of the shame and allow themselves to unbecome? Yeah. Well, I know you know this, but to embrace the emotion and allow it to be there. A lot of the time we want to move away from the shame or the grief or whatever. But when Mm -hmm. we welcome it and say, it's okay for you to be here, there's Mm -hmm. alchemy in that. Because you're no longer, you're reintegrating all the pieces of you and allowing that to be okay which makes you more whole and you can come back to the truth. Um, I like Which to- by the way, the shame was the learned experience through childhood. You oh, know, yeah. I'm experiencing this as a mom. I have a five-year-old daughter. There are plenty of times where I'm like, I can't believe you did that. Like, why did you do that? It right. just comes out because right. it was a trained experience. Right. There's a, there are plenty and more often times where I don't do that, but it happens. Yeah. And you, so we, so that internalized shame was not actually ours, but it's important to recognize, like you're saying, that you still have to embrace it because it's it's a part of, of your life experience and it's a part of our depth of emotion and the breadth of who we are as a, a human, as a soul having this human experience. Yeah. How, how willing are you to meet all aspects of yourself? Ooh, how willing are you to... Such a good question. Yeah. How willing are you to... That's what spirituality is to me, the, the vulnerability to mm. meet all aspects of yourself. But how willing are you to meet the moment? to meet yourself, to be here, to be with, um, without resistance. That's the yoga. That's the practice. And mm-hmm. when you get to a certain state, because, you know, the, the <clears throat> grasping, the trying, all of that, that's like manifestor consciousness. But when you move into channel consciousness, there's no story. There's no plan. There's no identity. Mm-hmm. Those don't even yeah. exist. Before that, what me and you can relate on, and I'm sure a lot of people on this podcast, you're piecing together your identity with what you see, what your condition, your conditioning, what you see, who you think you have to be to get the thing. But mm-hmm. there's no efforting to try to get the thing when you're when you are the channel. But in order to create a clear channel, you have to be present with your body to start understanding what's going on. Nobody can have a better communication with your life force than you. But -hmm. will you be still enough? Will you be quiet enough? Will you be present enough? Will you be connected enough Mm -hmm. to cultivate that relationship with your own knowing versus outsourcing your knowing Mm -hmm. and outsourcing your power to the people around you? Yeah, and it happens in the stillness. It happens in the grief. It happens in the moments of discomfort because 
it happens at a resting state, essentially. Like, it doesn't really happen when you're outside. I mean, I've had amazing experiences where I felt like a channel that were social, that were me living in my truth, right? Like, having this conversation feels like me connecting to my channel. And it's exciting. Like, there's, there's you know, feelings of butterflies and excitement and happiness. But... There's no greater wisdom that comes like when I'm in the most uncomfortable I've ever been and in the quietest place I've ever been. And I hear all the thoughts, the inner voices. Mm -hmm. And that I think that's when you gain the perspective and the wisdom and the like the embodiment of what you have up here coming into here in a somatic way moving up from every chakra like all the way to like your intuition connecting to pure source Mm -hmm. like coming from the earth connecting outward and connecting to the whole getting on that power grid Mm -hmm. but it happens in the stillness it happens in the quiet it happens in the sad dark places so often Mm -hmm. and that's a lot of the time we don't even give ourselves permission to go there until we're in the we're really reactive with that. Mm -hmm. I used to have a very codependent relationship with spirit where I do the things and I'm getting the things and I would abandon all my practices. And then when shit hit the fan, here I go back into the void, back into the realms, doing my practices. And I was like, no, 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 no. That's not the relationship. That's not relational. Mm. How, how would, how would a partner react to you? If you were Mm -hmm. like, Oh, I feel good now. I don't need you. (laughs) Oh, but I need you now. So I had to reckon with that. I don't just give myself permission to go into those spaces now, which I don't, I, I know that you don't either, but I'm saying like a lot of the time we, we really don't. But it our, happens. It right. happens though. Right. Like you get on a good flow. You think you can mm-hmm. live in a flow state forever. And, and one of our Gabe and I's mentors says it like this, like I use um, surf analogies because Gabe is a surfer and I've tried to surf and I, I think it's surfing. really relatable. Yeah. But he's, he uses this example as well. You know, in surfing, there's when the waves are coming, there's, th- there's about three to four sets and they're the waves that you can ride. There's one, two, three, and then they like all wash up to shore and they have to all come out and build the momentum. And it's pretty flat on the surface of that wave. And during that stillness and flatness, you're usually paddling back out. So it's a lot of hard work. You don't really see what's coming. Nothing great is coming. You're seeing the wave go back out. And these can be five, 10 minute stretches before next set comes in. And so not only in our life does it mirror in the way that like I manifested this. I got the thing I wanted. Holy shit. I'm riding high. I'm in a flow state. Well, all of a sudden that ride is over. The energy has to distill. The energy has to move downward, right? Before it can come back upward. And so what happens is we get in this pendulum. So we're like on a super high flow state and we forget that when the pendulum is riding back down, that that's when we need to take our rest and allow for ourselves to sit in that shadowy void place Mm -hmm. and listen, listen to the messages that come in. But it's really difficult because we're anticipating the next set. Psychologically, mm -hmm. we're anticipating and, and it's what we're hardwired to do. But I think that if we can achieve those and utilize our tool sets in those moments, but achieve those states of stillness and quiet and allow our bodies to rest so that we can prepare for the next upswing in that wave, in that set. And so the pendulum isn't getting stuck on one side or another or in between and the anxiety, right? It's just a nice, even flow. So I love that description of like not allowing yourself to swing in a pendulum and taking the rest and like the break. Yeah, and it it doesn't have to be so high, high and low lows when you're able. So like what I switched out with achievement was attunement. Mm. Instead of achieving, how can I attune more? Mm -hmm. So it doesn't have to be so chaotic. It doesn't have to be so drastic. It's like, oh, my God, I'm flying high. And then it's just like, oh, my God, nothing matters. And it's just like, whoa. And the underlying belief that you have to be high vibe in order to be aligned. Mm -hmm. You can still Mm -hmm. be aligned. 
I, I like that word too, because attunement means, you know, it's like tuning to a radio station. You're mm-hmm. tuning into the right frequency, not the next right frequency or not the highest frequency or not the lowest frequency. It's the right frequency for the now. Yeah, exactly. So good. I love that. Exactly. Yeah. So I have these like attuning sessions. I've gotten wiser because I'm like, I don't want to let a lot of the time we're really inconsistent with our our expression with our unfolding because we get in our own way by telling stories or not being able to hold the frequency long enough because, you know, we're not in tune. We're not attuning to our channel. We're not attuning to, we're not tuning into our body. We're not tuning into source. So I've been doing these things recently where I'm like, "Mm, I need to get out ahead of this (laughs) Mm -hmm. and really sit with, my body and find the dissonance in the field, the dissonance in my body, the dissonance in the field and communicate with it Mm -hmm. because we're co-creating our reality. But I think that people say that, but they don't understand the relational intimate aspect, but going back to intimacy, how can Mm -hmm. we have an intimate relationship with source and ourself when we don't know who we are and we're in that struggle between identity and role confusion and hey this coach can you tell me what my identity is what did you get to get those results those look like the results that I should be having that looks Mm -hmm. like and it's like whoa those are not that's not even your desire it's not even Mm -hmm. that's not even your desire you don't even know what you want and so it becomes this whole thing where it's so chaotic and so confusing um in that way I don't know if that made sense but (laughs) it totally makes sense and I think this is something we were jamming on on insta as well as like I think that you know part of the reason and I think you'll agree with me I don't identify with the word coach as much as I used to like obviously I still coach people like it's part of what I do like the word you know right I help people I coach them in their life and I don't really take a lot of clients I have like two sometimes but I don't identify with the industry as much because we, one, it's been kind of cannibalistic. It's been like a coach for coach mentality, right? Like I've said this before on on several platforms and in many instances, but aside from that, it's like, because it's been cannibalistic, it's been like hire this coach, like you're saying, to achieve what they achieved without recognizing the variables in their life that allowed them to achieve it. You can't just do what they did because they did it. And I think for a long time, the industry has said that if I can do it, you can do it too. No, if I can do it, you can do something similar or of the same resonance Like you can have a transformation and have achievement, but it will look like your achievement based on your variables. We're like little Petri dishes in our body, our, our bioorganism, our Petri dishes, right? Well, the same goes for our life. I live in Miami, Florida. I have a fiance. He has a bunch of businesses. I have a child. I will not have the same output or the same lifestyle or the same morning habits and computer routines as you mm-hmm. or as Sam or Sally, right? Right. And so I think that that's why, you know, the industry has kind of disillusioned me and I've kind of parted ways with it because it's like, it's there's no recipe or formula to have X or Y or Z. There are habits, there are healings, there are solutions, of course, and they will all have a different outcome because you got a different Petri dish over there than I have over here, right? Yeah, and honestly, it's like, if you take any industry and you plug it into Mm -hmm. a certain consciousness, it'll have the same effect. So Mm -hmm. someone who's in manifestor consciousness is like, I willed my way here and I made this happen and I'm gonna help you make it happen. Like I said, you're you're really stepping into someone's frequency and embodiment Mm -hmm. because if that looks a lot different than when I sit with the client, cause I'm in a different consciousness, channel mm-hmm. consciousness, where I'm like, hold on, just to let you know, no, we're not taking action. The strategy will download when we attune and we get in alignment mm-hmm. and it will be effortless. And you're so, not gonna give everybody the same strategy, right? No, it. the strategy is you aligning with your strategy, mm-hmm. with your life force, mm-hmm. with the, attuning your channel. That's the only strategy that there is. And guess mm-hmm. what happens? 
the strategy starts to unfold and that's when I go, great, let's create. Let's create an mm -hmm. offering. Let's create this. Let's create that or whatever, whatever. Because I don't just coach coaches. But whatever it is, it's so mm -hmm. freaking aligned. They're excited. There's no resistance to it. Of course, mm -hmm. there's things that come up along the way. But it's not trying to force because people will come on you. Okay, I want to do this. Why? Hold on. Wait a minute. Why? What? What? Let's take a second because I won't. But if you're codependent, which I have been in the past, then you want to get your clients the results. And you want to help them manipulate reality or manipulate the laws of the universe to get what they want. And that's not the mm. game that I'm in. And when you have that when you have that reckoning, because I do think it's a stage because you're like, oh, I have all this creative power. Like I can create my reality. And you learn that. And then there comes a time where it's like, all right, now let's learn how to co-create. Let's learn how to open mm. our channel. Let's stop forcing, manipulating, trying so hard and start aligning, attuning. It's a different mm. kind of frequency. And it's interesting that I don't really identify as a coach, but I'm creating one of the offerings. I'm, I have a couple offerings that I'm creating right now, but one of them is a coaching certification. Wow. Because I'm not going to complain about an industry and not support it. Because if everybody's mm -hmm. doing this thing, if a lot of people are doing this thing, because out, out of lack of knowing, I want to mm -hmm. create an environment for people to connect to facilitating and helping people from this state of being, from channel, mm -hmm. from embodiment, mm -hmm. from integrity. So I decided to solve it to a certain degree. I love that. In the way that I can, in, the, in one of the ways that I can. That's so beautiful. And I love that you said that. That's, that's, too, that's a place that I got. I was like, okay, I think that a year ago when I created the name Rebellious Reinvention, it was like to tear down an industry or two. Like, let's just say that. <laughs> I love I was, some mischievous. I do. I yeah, I know. But I, I went through so much healing in the past year. I did, I had these amazing somatic facilitators. I had some amazing therapists, coaches, hypnotherapy. I mean, somatic experiencing coaches. Mm -hmm, I did mm -hmm. it all. Anything where I could really excavate, like why I became who I became, where the resentment lied, where it it exists still, mm -hmm. where it came from, what its roots were, that's where I went for the entire last year. Microdosing was a part of that protocol, mm -hmm. soul searching, all, all the things. I was in like another spiritual awakening and rebirth. But what I discovered was the biggest resentment I had was from my, towards my father. And mm -hmm. once I healed that one thing, I literally dissolved the bitterness and anger I had towards everything else. Mm -hmm. And so what ended up happening was a actually a bigger conversation for not just this podcast, but for my career and my life and my purpose. Yeah. And um, part of this next phase is really to have these really honest dialogues and mm -hmm. have these honest conversations where it's like giving back and bringing awareness and talking about the things that are complicated, complex, nuanced and uncomfortable to talk about. Right. It's it ain't easy to get up here, you or I or anybody else and like have this dialogue and really be that vulnerable. So and kudos to you for creating an entire program around, you know, an an industry that could be so flawed, but is so beautiful and has been so transformational for the last 20 plus years, really. It's an infant in yeah. its, its age wise. It's a really young industry. Exactly. And I think that going back to like my breakup with achievement and becoming more intimate and relational, one of the things I used to do was I don't like this. There's a rupture. Mm -hmm. There's a rupture in the field. I'm going to cope with that by running. Burn it to the ground. Done. I'm, I'm, that's what I did. I didn't work mm -hmm. for 10 months, like barely. I was just like, okay, I have enough to, I have enough to where I don't have to. And I didn't work for 10 months. And I was like, I took this course by uh, Dr. Samantha Rader, one of my good friends now called Source Code Psychology. And <clears throat> she's like, you're running. I'm like, oh, <laughs> so I was like, wait, because then I learned, oh, it's relational to have a rupture and then repair. But we don't we don't learn that growing up because we're not being attuned to by mm -hmm. our parents. So we don't know how to attune and we we're not relational. Right. Because we just don't. So we cut and run. And I was like, stay. 
Wow, so interesting. Yeah. I say that's so interesting because it's exactly, you know, with in a different verbiage and a different, like the way that you articulated it, but it really kind of hit, like that's exactly what happened the last year. I mean, I needed it for my mental health to remove myself from coaching, yes. to remove myself from the daily routine. So yeah. I don't think it was just running. It was definitely a coping mechanism, right? Totally. But it looked like it is, it is still running. It's self-protection, right? Yeah. So it's running, it's self-protection. It's a coping mechanism. It's also space and time to heal. Yeah. It's essential, right? But the, you can't continue to do that, right? Like you have to return to source like and be in that relationship. And it's really interesting. I've actually um, had a return of clients. Like as this healing has like, <laughs> has, has like become an embodied experience and the podcast has been launching and, or been in play and behind the scenes in production. And there's other things that are happening in my life that are all like coming into fruition via this like long distance, like <laughs> marathon that I had to do. Um, I actually planted a bunch of seeds along the way. Now they're all coming to fruition. And without me even advertising, saying so, putting it out, even like putting it out there myself, people right. started coming to me and asking me for mentorship and coaching again. And they were all ideal clients. It's really wild. Like I, I thought I, you probably, and not you, but like my friends have probably heard me say like, I'm done. I'm never coaching again. Like I've said I it. don't want to be part of it. Like I don't, I don't like anybody. I don't want to <laughs> yeah. hear anybody's shit. Like I don't even know what I do right. in those sessions. Right. Like I don't even know if it was good. Like did anybody get anything? All this self doubt. <laughs> all this anger, this resentment. And now people are coming back in because my resonance is clean. And I feel, you know, it's like, I kind of think of avatar where it's like when I was plugged in and doing my purpose, like, and I was really attuned and not doing it for the achievement, but working with people, right? We'll just call the simple act of working with people and supporting them. It felt like I was like plugged in to that dragon and we were flying. And then I had to unplug because I wasn't attuned with where we were going anymore and it was a wild ride and it's like I feel like my little antennas or whatever these things are like got like recharged and repaired and they're just like they've just been like floating and like my dragon came back and I've assumed the throne <laughs> and yes, I'm ready to go queen. again and it was like but it's just healing you know yeah. it's just simple healing yeah. so it's really beautiful yeah it's intimacy yeah, because it's not our responsibility. That's why the, mm. that's why I went to the certification program too, because I'm like, it needs some kind of regulation. Because mm -hmm. we're all just winging it, right? Like I have a background in certain things and yeah, I'm not saying you even need a background in certain things, but I think that there is some kind of perspective and work that needs to be done because when you're sitting across from the client and you think that you have to get the results for them mm. and they tell you, I want this and you mm -hmm. go, okay, you're both doing you're doing yourself and the client a, a, a service a disservice if anybody is listening that is a huge takeaway chomp on that bit mm -mm. like if you yes eat that up because if your client is saying i want this and you jump to achieve that for them or to fix that for them or to hand them that and work out a way to do it without questioning the why that is a sign for you, my friend. Yeah. And sign. knowing like in my field, what part of me was, and this shows up everywhere. Mm -hmm. How you do one thing is how you do everything. When mm -hmm. somebody's coming at me and I feel that like intensity, am I going to sacrifice myself and abandon mm -hmm. my knowing and go into the energy field of my client and try to get the thing for them? Or am I going to be like, hold on. First of all, it's not my responsibility to get you the result. It's yours. Mm. And that's the best that's like coaching one on one. Yes, but it's is it? I mean, it's I think we're taught that in the certifications, but like I don't think we're reminded of that. I don't think we're embodied in that. Most that's people. the thing, the embodiment mm -hmm. of it because underneath that it's, it's not it's not just a knowing. It's also grappling with the parts of you that abandon yourself. The parts of you that's not in touch with your knowing. The part of you that still has residual codependence, the part of you People that wants pleasing. to do a good job. Exactly. <clears throat> There's so much underneath that. Mm -hmm. That is separate from don't get it's not your job. It's like easy to say that and be like, OK, mm. right. But to really be mm -hmm. like, whoa, what's going on inside of me? And it's like 
Yeah. Yeah. That's so beautiful. Yeah. It's so important to be constantly questioning, not questioning, but constantly attuning, like you spoke to, you know, attuning to yourself and recognizing where there's dissonance and allowing yourself to be in that vulnerable, vulnerable inquiry of, am I in attunement for me and my soul yes. within, you know, before you go into those sessions, before you hold space for other people and afterwards, making sure there's no residue yeah. of their energy and their frequency and their desires implanted onto you, because that's also a very real thing. So really having that connection with your own original vibrancy and yeah vibration so that you can know what's theirs know what's yours yes. knows what's hers and his mm -hmm. family society and know what source know what's yours i i actually do like what you said about questioning i think mm -hmm. that was your channel like i, I do... love well i love the phrase question everything but i just didn't want it to sound so hard on yourself like well, question everything like towards i think self. that's wise of you because there is a nuance in that that's very mm -hmm. wise of you to say questioning because channel consciousness, which is one of my, it's not the name of my other program, but one of my other programs called the invisible experiment is it's mm. helping people live life as a somatic experience. Your mm. life is a somatic experience and mm -hmm. channel consciousness is not your assertion. It's not your assertion of your will. It's the question that you live into and you allow the answer to come online. Now, if you're questioning from a mental state, Mm -hmm. without the trust. It's the frequency. I had a client yesterday who asked a powerful question. I was like, oh, that's a powerful question. But the frequency you're asking from that question, that's the difference. So someone can be questioning mm -hmm. like, oh my God, where is this going to come from? And da, 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 da. like, I don't know. Versus, hmm, show me. Mm -hmm. I wonder what this would be like. That's a totally, so I think it was wise of you to talk about the questioning and also wise of your channel to know the nuance mm -hmm. Because you did know yeah. of mm -hmm. the frequency that you're approaching that question with. Yeah, that's beautiful. Such great takeaways. We have just a few more minutes. I, I've been asking everybody this. What is your perspective? What does rebellious reinvention mean to you? Hmm. The rebellious aspect is a deep. What's the adjective I want to use? It's like not unrelenting, would that be the word? It's a deep devotion hmm. to your knowing and your authenticity and your expression above anything else. Your connection to self and source comes first. That's rebellious to stand yes. firm in that. So powerful. Despite what others think or what society has to say. And then the reinvention part is the acceptance of you're unfolding. It's the acceptance of the fact that you are not only multidimensional, but you are in every moment. If you live in the unknown, if you make that state of being an intimate state, you can, you are reinventing, you are unfolding. And so if you can accept that, you can witness it and see it come online. Because I don't think it's as, I don't think we have to try to do it, you know? So well said. It's a renewal process. It's just a simple renewal process. Everything on earth does it. Mm -hmm. Everything on earth, you know, it's the Phoenix rising. It's a natural state. All right, Lorelai, where can people find you? Where do you hang out? What are your channels? All the good things. So um, I hang out at Lorelai Bayette on Instagram. I also have 88 aligned if you're into like frequency and things like that. And then TikTok is where you can find me just blabbing away about random things and getting really saucy. So all of it is Lorelai Bayette, except for the other platform, which is 88 Aligned and um, the Life Coaching Certification, which will be launching soon um, in July. The second round um, is the whole, uh, Holistic Life Coach School. Awesome. Congratulations. <laughs> no, it's great. We'll put everything in the show notes for you guys. And you can find 88 Aligned in her bio on Instagram as well. It's a real easy click over there. And what do you have on 88 Aligned? It's like notebooks, manifestation tools. Well, I'm, I'm just getting started um, back with it. But um, it's um, content about frequency, vibration, healing and aligning. 
and um, there's a planner on there and there's a membership coming soon. So you can just stay dialed in and I'll be announcing all of that coming soon. Awesome. I love that. Thank you for your time. Thank you for running over to the co-work space to make it happen. I really appreciate you and your dedication to making it happen. Your rebellious dedication. I love you so much. It's been real. Thanks. I can't wait to have you back on. I think it would be, I I have a few ideas for another conversation. (laughs) I'll be in touch about that. Let's keep it going, Queen. Yeah. So good. Thank you so much, Lorelai. You're welcome. Bye, Danielle. Nice catching up with you. See you soon. So good catching up with you. Bye, Mama. Every week we have a reoccurring segment. I share my favorite things, tangible products to use, things to walk away with above and beyond inspiration and these combos. This week's rebellious perspective, the think piece. What if this were all just a simulation, a game? Would you be living your life the way that you are now? I wanna challenge you to question everything, why you're doing it this way, who you're doing it with, and if there were no rules and money did not matter, how would you wake up tomorrow and do things differently? This is where I always begin with my clients clients. It's always where I begin when I begin manifesting myself. If money was not an option or not an object and the people, places, and things in my life were not obstacles, what would I be doing? And it really takes you out of the frequency of and out of the question of where do I need to go? What do I need to do? Or what do I want to achieve? And it really puts you into a place of what is it that I deeply desire? And if nothing was in my way, how would I get there? So it's a little something for you to think on today. Read. On that note, psychedelic studies are back on. Hell yes. After a long hiatus, decades of demonization and criminalization, psychedelic drugs are on the cusp of entering mainstream psychiatry. So exciting. And even possibly mainstream decriminalization in many cities. It's already happening. It's happening more and more. There's a lot of legislation around it. Quote, there's been a sea change in attitudes about what not long ago was considered fringe science. Michael Pollan said that whose best-selling book on psychedelics, How to Change Your Mind, go out and get that if you don't already have it, has helped destigmatize the drugs in these in three years since it was published. Given the mental health crisis in this country, there's great curiosity and hope about psychedelics and a recognition that we need new therapeutic tools, he says. So in the show notes, there's a link to that article. I highly suggest reading it, seeing what the future of psychedelics looks like and psychiatry. And in the bi category, as someone in their mid-ish 30s, I know how important it is to prevent wrinkles and maintain glowing fresh skin hydrated specifically hydrated skin that's why i'm obsessed with my fellow mama's product line called love by jade i am literally obsessed with the glow serum it hydrates nourishes and improves cellular turnover to reduce the appearance of fine lines and wrinkles and even acne scars it smells luxurious i use it daily morning and night after my glycolic acid so i put cleanse i tone i use the glycolic acid and then i put the glow serum on i have replaced my cream with that i still use that cream but I put the uh, glow serum on and it just blends really well with makeup makeup during the day. It makes me super dewy and hydrated at night. Smells like prickly pear, which like I didn't even know you could bottle up as in essential oil, which is amazing and has so many assets for you. So I have a discount code for you. It's called Danielle loves you, the code and the link to purchase is in my bio. You're supporting a fellow mom and a local Florida woman. So go out and do that. All the links are there in the bio for you. Thanks for listening. Make sure you like subscribe and tag us on Instagram.